listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. And hey, John Wright, welcome back, too. Hey. Yeah. We're, 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 we're here, and that means we're supposed to do one of those question and answer shows. But I got to tell you, John. You want to preempt wanna, me. You you want to you want to go half cocked in your own direction. I, I, I do. I, I don't. I don't. I don't want to. I don't need a question. I've got something I want to. Sh- I, I got something I want to talk to you about. Something's been on your mind. Yeah, and something that I think you and I. I like. I think you. You have. I think we can have a meaningful conversation. It doesn't have to be a long conversation, but I think we'd have a meaningful conversation about because mm-hmm. your dad is a pastor. Yes. And my dad is a f- retired, very unhappily retired uh, evangelist. Mm-hmm. And does he like that word, evangelist? I, I think so. I mean, you know, I, I think I think that's kind of what he was, you know, a guy, you know, he's a preacher. Yeah. You know, um, I was the son of a preacher man. Um, I love that song. Yeah, me too. It it (laughs) makes it sound like because we're the son of the preacher man, we are unbelievably good lovers. I know, I know. (laughs) The only only one who could ever reach me. Yeah, I'm not going to (laughs) disagree. I don't know. You know, there's all those that's what she said jokes. And I think like, (laughs) that's what she said. (laughs) The only man who could ever reach me was the son of a preacher man. Anyway, here's the deal. I, my dad's having a tough time right now. Yeah. Um, because after his stroke, he, he, he's not going to walk again and his voice doesn't work as well. And with COVID and the wheelchair and all that stuff, he's kind of, he and my mom sort of feel like they're in prison. They, they, they're in this retirement home, the nursing healthcare wing, and they, they don't get out and, he wants to believe that he can get up and walk again and that he's going to get out and preach again. And it's just, it's just not happening. Mm. Um, and he's frustrated. And I'm uh, sure. And so one of the things that he's doing in this time, you know, kind of a thing we, we, we sort of talk through and stuff is, you know, he, he's working on a book and, you know, we, we all suggested, Hey, maybe you should, maybe you should use this time to reflect. Maybe you should use this time to, to sort of sum it all up and figure things out. And so he ended up, you know, he, he's working with a friend of his and he ended up coming up with a kind of a cool idea for a book where it's kind of a theological memoir. I love it. Yeah. The idea being like, okay, so he's this, you know, big time believer and, uh, you know, he, he was supposedly this very con- con- controversial and provocative guy. And so the question is like, can he tell the story of where his, you know, like he, he's one of those people who realizes like my theology was shaped by my experiences. Yeah. And so basically each chapter he's talking about like, Hey, here's a theological truth and here's the way I came to it. Here, here's, here's how it happened for me. I think it's a good book. So, yeah. And so I was talking with the guy who he's writing it with and he, I, I asked him how he was, how it was going. And he said, you know, he said, he's doing real good on the early chapters. You know, we just sailed through those, the interviews and the conversations about 
the early, theolo- you know, when he was in high school and when he was in college and where he got his concept of grace and where he, you know, how he came to understand the Bible and this and that, all that stuff. And then, and then he said, but as he comes, even in the middle period, he's okay. You know, as he's talking about controversies that he went through and gay marriage and, you know, heresy trials that, you know, about whether Jesus was present and everyone. But what's interesting is, is the guy said, as he's coming to the end of it, he said, you know, the last chapters you would feel like would be like, how has your present experience shaped your theology? You know, mortality and, 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 and being in a wheelchair and, and, and facing death. And he said, he's not, he's not very excited about talking about that stuff. Mm. And, and, you know, I, I think that, that, that sometimes people expect that these fiery preachers at the end of their lives, they're going to be like, I, I can see heaven, you know, from where I'm sitting, like, you know, the, the glory is starting to shine in. Right. And, and, right. And, and, and it's not, not really that way for him. Yeah. And, um, and he said, is your dad discouraged? Do you think, is he spiritually discouraged? And I was like, oh my gosh, of course he is. Mm-hmm. And not just because his own life is so curtailed, but I think more so, or, or maybe connected to that is his sense that the movement that he invested his whole life in is declining. Yeah. In a pretty major way, I would say. Yeah, I would too. And, and I, I, I mean, your dad's a, a minister. I, I don't know if he felt like, if he, if he felt like he was part of a movement and how he feels like, d- d- does, can you relate to any of that? Like realizing that, that the thing that your dad has invested himself in, he's looking at it and going like, oh my gosh, like I poured all of myself into this thing and it's not going to make it. I don't know if he has those thoughts the same way as your dad does, but I know that he did, you know, think of himself as being a part of a, of a, of a really, really big movement, you know, a big hole. And, uh, for him, it was the Presbyterian church in Ireland. And then there were all these, you know, things uh, connected to that around the world and work in Africa and all this kind of stuff, stuff that you would be familiar with. But, um, as far as what he feels about it now, I don't, I don't know. And I, I, you know, I think that's the thing is that when those guys were growing up in the evangelical church in the 70s, you know, when they were, or when they were sort of taking power, like it felt like they were like evangelical Christianity was growing and it was in tandem with, especially in my country, it was in tandem with kind of the rise of free market capitalism and yeah, yeah. and and then it became political and the, you know, the conservative Republican movement. And, and I think there was this sense of we're going to take free market capitalism and democracy and Jesus, and we're going to, we're going to take over the world. Like the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and he will reign forever and ever. And I, I really, you know, I used to go to these rallies and things and they, you know, I can remember my dad saying, I've read the back of, you know, I've read the back of this book, holding a Bible and saying, and we win. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think I've heard him say that. Yeah. So he doesn't he doesn't feel as um what's the word? What would what would you say? Triumphal? Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't feel as jaunty. Well, I mean, how could you? Right. I mean, I, I think especially in the Trump era, um, 
it's become clear that evangelical, the evangelical movement, which my dad thought like, I'm all the way on the left of this, the progressive wing. Mm -hmm. And then there's like the Southern Baptists and Jerry Falwell and those guys, and they're all the way to the right of this thing. But like, we're all part of the, the triumphal army of God that's going to take over. And like, we'll work out our stuff. But like, you know, basically we're all trying to win people to Jesus here. Mm -hmm. In our own ways. In our own ways. And I think that when Trump shows up and the evangelicals climb in with him, the other evangelicals, the guys like my dad go like, oh, I thought this was about following Jesus mm -hmm. and loving the poor. Wow. And sacrificially serving and, and trying to reach people with the gospel of grace. And it turns out that a, a huge chunk of white evangelicalism was just, is a political movement. And that these people are like, they, they call themselves evangelicals, but they don't actually share the same kind of spiritual values as the kind of evangelicals that your dad and my dad are. Yeah. And so I think all of a sudden my dad was like, oh my gosh, our movement is much smaller than I thought. And then the other thing is, you know, you just look at, you know, like all the Christian colleges and universities and like some of them are going out of business, they're shrinking, they're struggling, right. they're cutting staff. Like, you know, my dad's own college is, you know, like just, you know, it's changed so much in the last five or 10 years. Yeah. And, you know, he gave his whole life to that place. Right. And- uh, Church, churches, attendance declining, churches closing. Sure. And so, you know, in, in the idea that like we're a movement and we're, we're gradually winning the world to Jesus- you like it's 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 just the other it's just the other way around, and I think like my my own deconversion. I I think I think when it happened ten years ago, my dad was like, "Why are you getting off the winning team? <laughs> why are you jump Why are you jumping ship um, on a movement that's going to change the world?" And I think that over the last number of years. I just think it's incredibly discouraging if you're if you're if you if you if you're invested in that movement. I think it's incredibly discouraging. Yeah, and in, and in his case, especially, it wasn't just you that that isn't a Christian anymore in his family. So it's kind of, right. You guys are all. Oh yeah, it's not my, my sister. None of the grandkids. My wife. Like that's the weird thing. Like in a sense. It's, it, his movement is dying out. Even even his tribe, like the the Christian Campolos, of which there were many, he'll be the last one. Like when he dies, there are no more there are no more evangelical Christian Campolos to come after him. Wow. Well, it makes me sad for him. You know what I mean? In in a in a very weird way. Like I I feel I feel that when you describe it that way, I, it it isn't hard for me to understand why he's kind of down about it. Well, the, the reason I bring it up is, is because a lot of people get back to me and they say, oh, I saw that movie you, John Wright made about you and your dad, or I read that book you guys wrote. Yeah. And they're like, I love the way you guys respect each other. And you know, like, but like that was a conversation between a really confident Tony Campolo and me. Yes. You could both have fun with it. And I, and, and he was like, you know, looking at me, like shaking his head, like, dude, you're, you're missing out here. Like this stuff really works. And I think that 
the last over the last number of years. I, 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 in, in some ways, I don't think on a personal level, I'm not sure how much comfort he's drawn from his faith, but that's not the issue. The issue is just even on a, on a macro level, it's unmistakable that Christianity peaked and now it's sort of declining and it's going to become just like another one of those, you know, like an also ran, like mm-hmm. yeah, there are a lot of religions out there. <laughs> We're yeah. just one of them. Yeah. 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 Um, wow. And, and I, I think that because we've spent a lot of time talking about how we talk to our Christian relatives and, and, and sometimes even when I'm with the, the, in the, in these large atheist groups, the way they talk about the Christian machine that runs this country and it's, you know, we're, we're the little guys and, and, and they're oppressing us. And how do we fight back for, you know, against the separation of church, you know, for the separation of church and state against this kind of monolithic powerhouse. And I go like, are you not paying attention? <laughs> right. Because it's not that way. And I think like it needs to change. It certainly has changed the way I talk to my dad. Has it really? Yeah. I, yeah. I can't I can't poke fun at the foibles of Christianity anymore. I can't point out the inconsistencies or, or the problems in a way that you know that 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 feels okay to him. Yeah, you guys used to have a lot of fun with those conversations. And I think that's what the movie captured a little bit. Yeah. And I guess that's not possible now. And part of that's just because of like where he's at, right? You know, as an older guy, and 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 you know, he's not as flexible in his you know ability to take it take it a, a shot that way. But it's much more so like the situ like the situation is really different. Yeah, and it's it's a you know it's 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 like kicking them when they're down, dude. It's it's crazy how fast that happened. It is crazy how fast that happened. Because it feels really different now. And I'm sure the pandemic was kind of a nail, you know, and <laughs> it was harder for churches even to, to keep, you know, like, like your dad used to say, you got to be in the room. Yeah. You know, you've got you got to be in the room with those other believers. No one was in the room for a year and a half. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's been really, really rough on, you know, if, if people were staying in, not because the narrative made sense, but because they were bolstered by the, what, it, what did he used to call it? The. The, the, uh, the plausibility structure. Plausibility structure. Yeah. All of a sudden, there was nobody there to, to keep you reminded that this stuff right. is, is plausible and, and, and it's kind of not. Um, but the other thing is, too, the Trump thing just, you know, fractured the, the sense that this was a coherent movement that was about those virtues. Yes. Right. Because you couldn't take them seriously anymore when they talked about moral uh, superiority. No, I mean, it's not like, 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 I don't, like, if somebody said like, hey, do you want to do a debate and attack or like, like debate or, or go head to head with an evangelical Christian? I go like, I don't. And you're like, why? And go like, you know, what's the fun in that? <laughs> like, like, it feels mean. Like, yeah. it, it, you know, it, there's, there's, there's not much there. And so like the idea of like, Taking on, and I'm sorry, I, I, I'm I'm catching myself saying like, and so if you're out there, <laughs> Marty, I'm sorry, and I'm going to stop right now. If you if you thought about that cut and thrust, like it doesn't feel as though it's a fair fight. The whole thing looks ridiculous to me for, at this point, and I didn't feel that way five or ten years ago. No. 
A lot has changed. Like you said, you know, it's been it's been a long five to ten years. Yeah. And so I, I just to to the folks that listen to this podcast, many of whom are in those these kinds of relationships, you know, it doesn't mean that your brother in law isn't still a jerk to you or that your, you know, some your neighbor doesn't still talk down their nose at you or or say, How could you possibly have any morality or like what do you care about anything if you don't believe in God? It's not as though there aren't still negative and difficult people and, pe- and toxic people that can hurt you. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, is that when you're talking to people who have devoted their life to this movement and you're angry because of what the movement did to you or you're incredulous that anyone could believe that nonsense, you know, th- th- there needs to be y- – y- even that needs to be tempered with an understanding that this is a difficult moment for those people because even if they're putting up a brave front, there's an awareness that their movement isn't going to win the day. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good insight. And I hadn't really thought of it that way before, now that you mention it. It's a very weird moment for them. Yeah. And, I mean, my and, dad, my, yeah. my, you know, I, I remember sitting in the living room with Christians when I was a Christian. And, you know, I, I remember when like Kurt Warner was the quarterback of the Super Bowl winning St. Louis Rams. And he got on there and he said, you know, Jesus is the rock of my life and this is what's happened. And I just praise the Lord for this. And and we were all excited because we felt like this was, you know, this was happening. Like Christians were showing up in all these places and we were triumphal and we were showing the world that Christianity really works, you know, that it's a better way of life and that it makes everything work out for you. And that's, you know, that was my dad's sort of argument to me, like, how are you going to face death without Jesus? Yes. How are you going to, how do you find meaning in life? Like there's this, this is what works. And I loved, even, even though I see the world differently, I loved his strength um, in that, in that conversation with you, you know, like I loved how, how um, vigorous he was about it and and how much confidence he had with it. It was one of the joys of doing that film for me. Yeah. And, and that's, and, and that's why it's cold comfort, you know, to, to sort of see the disappointment that he must be experiencing and to sense the disappointment um, as he watches institutions that he, th- that were once powerful falter or go out of business and, you know, not be replaced. And it's just, it's, it's, it's really changing. I, I, I think that sometimes when you're, when you're, you're feeling like you're in a war of ideas with other people, Mm -hmm. it's important to figure out how to be a gracious winner of that argument. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that the others, I'm not saying that, that, that my dad or any of these other evangelicals are going like, we were wrong. Like they're, you know, they'll still tell you it's going to happen. But I think there's a kind of a, a look you can see in their eyes where they're, they're, they're talking now, but, it, but it's not the same kind of confidence. It's not the same kind of understanding. They know they're not on the same, um, dais as they were yeah. <laughs> yeah. a little while ago. There's this one moment that I keep thinking about as you're talking where, we were filming in LA conversation with you and your dad in the car. The day after that, he was due to speak on the hour of power. A lot of people might remember this is a national show, right? Robert Schuler at the crystal cathedral. Yeah. Robert Schuler. And 
just a couple of years later. So, so the weekend after that, Robert Schuler died. The weekend after we filmed, um, and he was one of your dad's friends, right? As yeah, I understand, absolutely. yeah. And he died sort of in shame and ignominy. Yeah, it wasn't the best ending to that story. And now the Catholic diocese owns that building. I mean, this beautiful building that they had like put on TV for forty years or whatever it was, and it, the whole thing is just kind of a nothing burger now. And it's well, I mean, as far as the evangelicals go, it is. And you kind of go like, wow. I mean, so that just encapsulates it right there, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's just amazing how. And I remember uh, your dad talking about wanting to go and visit Robert Schuler in hospital, and then the week after that, I think he died. And yeah. it's just like, wow, it just sticks in my mind as a moment where I go like, yeah, all of this is in flux, and it's all, you know, this this is all a paradigm that frankly changes over time you know nothing stays the same like that i mean don't get me wrong like when i when i pass by a vbs sign outside of a church in the summertime and i know they're in there indoctrinating kids into crazy ass ideas about original sin and the danger of hellfire and you know all that kind of stuff i still think of that as child abuse and mm -hmm. and i still am horrified by it and i want it to stop but um, but I used to feel like that was a sign of the rise of a dangerous movement. Like it was like sort of like Nazi Nazism. You know, it was gonna it was gonna sweep over. It was sweeping over everyone. It was doing massive damage. And now I sort of more look at it as like an isolated criminal act. And I go like, yeah, that's a problem. We should stop people from doing that. But yeah, you don't need to worry. Like that's not happening everywhere all that's the time. That's not taking over. It's not going to take over. Mm -hmm. Like they're not, they're not going to show up at your door and, 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 and force you into, into it. It's, it's not going to make it that way. And so I, I, I just think it's worth noting, like I've noted it because I'm close to somebody who is at the center of the movement mm -hmm. and I'm watching them sort of noticing in the newspaper or in the notices or in the the letters that they get from people just realizing like, oh yeah, um, our, the, that, the moment, the moment passed. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I just, you know, I just think like we, if, if, if we want to be human and kind, and also if we want to scoop up people that are disillusioned or broken by that movement, you don't, and, and, and scoop them up and, and sort of say to them, Hey, <laughs> there's another there are other ways of pursuing goodness and love as a way of life there, there's other ways of being a transformative agent in the world there's yeah. other there's other kinds of good news there's the good news of overcoming trauma there's the good news of forming better relationships there's the good news that forgiveness still makes sense like there's lots of good news mm-hmm um, and if you still want to share good news, if we want to scoop people up that are of goodwill out of that, it, it, it doesn't do to be a, a bully winner or, 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 or to, 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 to <laughs> a sore winner <laughs> yeah, or to chortle, you know, like I keep thinking yeah. of the word chortle or to like snicker. And, and no, it, it I, makes me sad. It makes me sad for them. It does. Yeah. And I mean, I remember watching a great a great soccer game once between two really great teams. And when it was over, the one team won in a kind of a last minute goal. And the other team was just crushed. And I remember one of the guys that was friends with a guy on the other team and the guy was crying and he went over and he, and he just held him and, and he could feel his pain. And you go like, well, 
but he wanted to win the game. Yeah, he did want to win the game. And he was glad he won the game, but he was not unaware that his friend was suffering. And I think we do well, even if we win and we want to win and we want them to lose because we think that like what the, the ideas that they're promoting are, are dangerous and horrible. I still think you can have human understanding yeah, yeah. and compassion. And we so, would do well to be that kind of winner. I think it would do well to be that kind of winner. Yeah. And I think even when you're arguing with somebody who the, 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 the your personal battle is still going on, I think it's good to bear in the back of your mind that you want to, you want to think, you want to remember that things are different, are, are different for them and that they're not arguing with the same kind of, that they may, that they may be whistling in the graveyard. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's it. Good I, thought. I, I, that's Good just thought. a thought. And I just thought, you know what? I, and maybe I just been thinking about it a lot lately. And I'm I just, sure. I just kind of wanted to talk it through with you. Well, when you're talking to your dad, tell him I can't wait to read his book. I will. I'm a big Tony Campolo fan. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> and a big Bart Campolo fan. Hey, thank you. And 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 you know what? I, I was thinking about this, John. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of supporters. We do. Um, there are a lot of people out there that are actually supporting this show. And I just want to... I want to start thanking people. Yeah. It's that time, right? Yeah. I mean, it really is. Like, I don't even know, like, I've got the whole list in front of me and, you know, like I'm looking at Julie Herrick and Connie Dollins and Jen Greenwich, all of whom have supported this show monthly since 2017. Wow. Yeah. That's no joke. You know, who, I, 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 can't, I can't think of a podcast that I still listen to from 2017 on a regular basis. I mean, you just wear out on people. And these guys have not only stuck with us, but they support it. And, you know, and so I've got this list of people and I, I, I want to go through it and I want to say- Give me a few ju- more. You know, I want to say Julie and Connie and Jen, thank you. And, and kind of it's good to have you in the conversation. You know, you're, 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 you are, you are much, much valued and much appreciated. Um, oh yeah. You want it? You want it? You want another one? Yeah. Travis and Donnell Field, 2017. It's just every month you look at that and you go like, Hey, Travis and, and Donnell are with us. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like, it's fuel for the show. It's like, um, it's like a steam engine, you, you know, just always constantly putting more fuel on the fire. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I just, I, I wouldn't want anyone like, I, I, th- I think if you're, if you're those guys, um, if, if, if you're non-random art, which is like, this is somebody like, I'm hoping it's a person named art and they're like, I'm not random, um, <laughs> you know, or maybe they're like, it's, it's an artist and they're like, I, I produce non-random art. Um, but whoever it is, that person's been with us for five, you know, again, since 2017 and i i just i just want them you know to know that it 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 means a lot and and looking at this list makes me go like gosh i'm so grateful to be a part of this community and to be a part of this conversation yeah 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 so let's keep doing it yeah we'll keep doing it I, I, you know and and i hope this isn't too much inside baseball us talking about our dads and stuff like that. But, (laughs) but I think there's, I think there's a, a, I think there's a transferable point here. Um, 
And that is that when you're in an argument with somebody, you want to pay attention to the ground on which they are standing. That's a good way to put it. I like that. Yeah, well, thanks. That's why our podcast is one of the largest podcasts in <laughs> <Yes>. the world. <laughs> uh, thanks, Bart. Thank you, John. And I will see you next time on Humanize Me. For more on Bart, go to bartcampolo.org. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it every month and get extra content for it. Go to patreon.com slash humanize me. Our patrons do make the show happen. Follow us at Humanize Me Pod on Twitter and Humanize Me Podcast on Instagram. You can also join other listeners on our private Facebook group. Just search Humanize Me on Facebook. To ask your own question on the show, leave it as a voicemail at 424-291-2092. That's 424-291-2092. And finally, please review us on iTunes. It really helps. Catch you next week. Humanize Me is a production of Jux Media. Hey, you could be larger than life, bigger than the world, living out the hopes and dreams of every boy and every girl. Hey, you could fly higher than the sky, shine brighter than the stars. You can live all you ever wanted. Yeah. Oh